want to just reread a few scriptures from last Sunday about um, giving God glory as our primary motive and giving him thanks in the great congregation. What a privilege that is. Um, the first one that I think of is Psalm 115, where it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory. Because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, the dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. I hope that's your heart this morning. I hope you've been praying and asking God what to share. We look at some verses specifically about the great congregation in Psalm 35, verse 17 and 18. We see someone who's in travail and torment even, and yet their heart is to give thanks in the great congregation. David prays, Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my soul from their ravages, my only life from the lion's. Nevertheless, I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among a mighty throng. How beautiful it is when someone who's suffering nevertheless praises the Lord. And then um, from Psalm 107, verse 31 and 32, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. I like that. We love, the elders love to see the people of God praising him. And then Psalm 149, verses 1 and verse 4. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation. And then one last one from Psalm 40, verse 9 and 10. We read this. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So we have a great privilege this morning to let her rip, to extol the Lord. And I just want to say to some of you that maybe you've never publicly given thanks to God. This is your day. This is your day to get up and, and just thank the Lord and glorify him for how good he's been to you. Maybe you have never had an opportunity to publicly say, Jesus is my Lord, and I just want to declare that he is my Lord. I want all of you to know that. Maybe you just want to glorify him, you want to boast in him, you want to elevate him and magnify him and exalt him. Maybe you just want to magnify him uh, in front of your friends and family. Today is your day. So what we're going to do is uh, Bill's going to have the microphone. Uh, if you know you want to say something, we'd ask you to come quickly and maybe just fill up this row here. That a boy, Randy. Randy is the man. 
Did you notice that Jane Rule jumped the gun? Did you notice that? She didn't even wait for the time. So that's, that's the spirit, Jane. So um, please come, and um, I would ask that you keep your comments brief. And um, am I forgetting anything, Bill? Oh, yeah, hold the mic up to close to your mouth. Some people hold it down here or over here, but uh, do your best to remember. No. <laughs> so, Randy, come on. Good morning. I'm Randy McGoy, and I'm really scared right now. But I'll be okay. First off, it's a miracle that I'm here, and it's a miracle that I'm even alive, okay, because I've had some real serious problems when I was a kid growing up. And through prayers of my family and the church I was in at the time, I was able to pull through that. So uh, it was Luke 15, 21 through 24. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. The son, this son of mine is dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. So what happened was uh, a few years ago I moved from the place where I was living to another place and the lady had already put her hand up on top of the doorpost and said the next person that comes here will be saved. And this was near ORU, 71st and Riverside. And uh, so uh, Richard Roberts and Lindsay was having a, a revival and it's called the word explosion at Victory. And since I lived really close to Victory, I went to it with her. And uh, they were talking about cleaning the garage up, cleaning the mess the cats had done. And about that time, the Holy Spirit fell. The joy of the Lord came upon all the people in the congregation, and I was one of them. And I felt very clean, very washed. So I went home, poured my pot down into this toilet stool and flushed it away. And I was going to uh, Guts Church at the time, too. So I served the Lord at Guts Church, and then I started going to Victory. But praise the Lord. He is good. And, uh, you know, praise God. Thank you. This is a crop, but it's a necessary one. Well, first of all, my name is Bud Green, and um, the eldest elder in this church is Jim Garrett, smiling in the back row. But I'm the oldest older. <laughs> and... Um, uh, with that comes a certain amount of um, obligation. And my obligation is to model what I think an older, older should do and be. And that is to become a child. We start life as a baby, and then we begin the maturation process and it takes a lifetime. We never really achieve full maturity. 
I've been chided through my life, um, why don't you grow up? <laughs> and uh, I respond with the simple comment that growing up is not what I want to do. I just want to grow into eventual childhood. Um, I was so delighted to see the sky. And um, I'm envious, truthfully, when I see children run, hop, skip. Our neighbors have a gazillion kids, and they're on a trampoline, and they throw caution to the wind. And I say, whoa, that is so beautiful. Well, this morning as I was leaving, it was almost as if that bird up on the wire was a um, foretelling of what should be because it was tiny, this big. And you, you could not believe the loud voice it had. Singing God's praise, and I know that people who don't believe in our God scoff at such things. They think that they're not singing because they're happy. Well, who are they to say? I mean, they seem happy to me. Their belly, bellies are full. Well, <clears throat> I spent four years driving from Santa Barbara to Anaheim to go to seminary. And that's 125 miles one way. If you don't know the geography, that means you have to drive through Los Angeles each way. And um, it was a it was a big deal. But I would sleep often through the whole weekend in my van, VW van. I wasn't a hippie. My hair was short. I'm still not a hippie. And I've never smoked marijuana. Um, my uh, times down there were spent at Melodyland Christian Center. And I was going. For that time, Melody Land uh, uh, had a had a uh, school and a graduate school, and uh, so I attended that. And it happened; it's no longer existing. It wasn't before I started there, and it was a great time. And I ran across lots of things that were wonderful. My brother-in-law was still up in Oregon where we all came from, and he was pastoring an Assemblies of God church up there. And we invited him to come down to Melody Land, which is right across Harbor Drive from Disneyland. And it's a theater in the round and was made for rock people to uh, celebrate their wares, but then I, they seemed to be running out of money. So Ralph Wilkerson bought it and, uh, and kept the name. So it was Melody Land Christian Center. And so Catherine Kuhlman was an occasional visitor. My brother-in-law scoffed at her, thought she was a phony and this and that. But after much cajoling, we finally persuaded him to attend. And here we were back in that area over here. Now, when Catherine comes out 
came out, she gestured, and she would feel the Spirit of God telling her what area somebody was who had a problem. And she pointed exactly to our area. Now, that's pretty amazing because in a theater and around, you have 360 degrees to go. But she pointed exactly where we were, and she spoke about a gentleman who had a, a physical ailment. And I can't even recall now because this was in the early 70s. I can't recall what his problem was. But guess what? You already, you're already there. He was instantly healed of something he'd had for years. He became a great enthusiast for her ministry, and that was great. I would occasionally go over by Calvary Chapel, and I went to a Maranatha Village, which was where they sold their books and the bookstores and what have you. And I bought this, and it's something that hangs on our bedroom wall, and I treasure it. And it's Zephaniah 317, which verse I very much love. But Jim Garrett, you couldn't be around a church with this man in it, and, and he wouldn't propose that you get a book full of uh, verses that uh, these are your verses, take those. Uh, I think he would say verses need context. And the context of this particular verse, which is very difficult to read because it's embossed in leather and it's in Old English, but I want to read it. And it says, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty. He will save. He will, we, he will rejoice over thee with love. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe that Jesus sings with us. Now, it may be that he does it through the aegis of his angels. Now, look around the room. You can pretty much tell how many bodies are in here. But how many angels are in here? Any idea? How many angels encompass you? How many, Hebrews 1.14 tells us that angels are there for us. And they're here. And when, I want to ask you if you've ever been in a service where there was singing going on. And suddenly, there was such an overwhelming sense. There's way more singing going on here than there are bodies. It's impossible for this group of people to be making that level of sound. And it isn't so much the volume. That's not the key. It's the depth. It's the rich depth. And figure how many angels there might be filling the blanks between us when we're praising the Lord. You know, when I was a kid, I was cautioned that God's eye is on you. He sees you, you know. Well, 
I was, I was always warned by my father, don't be like your brother. My brother was eight years older. And don't be like Clyde. Well, you know what? Clyde grew up after a turbulent youth, and he married, had four children, three boys and a girl. All of them to this day are serving the Lord. That's a beautiful testimony. I'm standing in front of you as a man, 82 years old. I do not take any medications at all. My blood pressure is normal, and I, I have some allopathic meds in case I hurt bad. My back was broken when I was 19 years old with the Marines by a horse, and I had a, an operation on it just before we moved here uh, six years ago. But in the last week, Darlene and I put in a lawn, and we had a friend come over. He spent two hours with my rototiller, which I call Tiller the Hun. And then he left, and I looked around, and I thought, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. This hand was operated, four different problems, carpal tunnel, a trigger finger, and uh, some growths. Uh, about six weeks ago, and so about five days ago, I grabbed the tiller, and I found out that the gas tank, when it's full and you run it for an hour, it runs out, and I filled it more than once, and I thought, I'm going to have real problems with my hands. My hands are better. They're way better, and I didn't have any trigger problem, and... I thank God for that. I'm bragging on Jesus. And um, there's something else I wanted to say, and I know I'm way past my time. Oh, yes, there is this. When um, Catherine Kuhlman would be in this room with 3,500 people, maybe, she had Dino Kartsanoskis at the piano, wonderful music, great singing and all. But then what would happen is that she would say, she wouldn't even say, I have to say anything because there wouldn't be any music and it would be a cappella. And she would begin, and I want you to join with me. And this is the wonderful thing that we sang. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
I just want to say that um, there are several things in my life that made me where I am now. And God never took his hand off of me after 40 years in California, 30 years searching for him in the new age. He kept his hand upon me. And, and everything that I desired, I never asked God for anything. But in my heart, in my mind, I loved certain things. And he's given me everything. I didn't have to ask. He already knew. Because I was starting to serve him in the last 10 years. And I came here six years ago and to the, this place four years ago. And God knew my heart. He never failed me. I failed him many times. But I counsel people how they could live, and I couldn't do it alone because I didn't have any kind of discipleship when I was a kid. So I just want to say that thanks to everybody here. You've been wonderful, and and God gave me the desire of my heart in bed. And my, my first husband betrayed me within a month after our marriage, and I didn't know about having annulments. So I had two children, and, and immediately married someone else, had another child, and she's passed away with alcoholism. So the older two children I raised alone. And it's amazing what the Lord did because he knew my heart, but I didn't know my mother. I didn't have any anyone bleeding me. I just had to try to follow him. But he taught me the hard way. I've been through all the rocks. So I just wanted to thank everybody for putting up with Bud and I because we, we were enjoying life. And God... Um, was talking to me one day. I was driving on the freeway, and I was listening to a program, and someone called in and said, why does good things happen to, bad things happen to good people? And that was always a big question. And the fellow that was uh, just joining um, to, to talk that day, he said, well, I look like at this. He says, in Job, Job kept saying, why are all these things happening to me? And God looks at Job, and he said, I feel like he told Job, I see the big picture. You only see to the end of your life, but I see the big picture. And I pulled off the freeway. Mother had told me for like 30 years, read Job. I just didn't get it. But that was my answer. From then on, I mean, I sailed. I mean, I, I did everything for the Lord, and it was beautiful. And I, I want to thank you all very much. And I want to. No, I um, I just wanted to say that I love the Lord more than anything or anybody, and I want to thank Him so much because He has given me my life back in my Son. I want to start by telling you that I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until I was forty years old, and I had already been married and divorced. I didn't have any children, excepting the one that I had, that I gave up for adoption. And I went through life with an empty hole in my heart. An empty hole because I needed Jesus, but there was also an empty hole because I didn't have my son. And I, uh, I came to Jesus when I was 40 years old, and then I, I would... You know, I was smoking grass and stuff like that. I'd go back and forth and back and forth. And he kept, he stayed with me during that whole time. I thought that, in fact, he was with me before 
that time. And I had a brain hemorrhage. And I remember that I would be sitting at home and I would think, oh, I've got to go to, to the Descanso Gardens because it's so beautiful there and I feel so peaceful there. And I was not a believer in God. But I went and I came and I do not know how I went there and how I got back because I did not know the way. So I, can, I give God the credit for that. But I love him so much because he has given me my son. And even though it has turned out to be not quite as lovely and beautiful as I thought it was because my son's getting a divorce now, but I feel that he needs me, and I feel that I've got a place that I've got to go. And I thank the Lord for giving me this. And every day I'm praying to the Lord. I'm praying for Beth, that's my daughter-in-law, and I'm praying for Brian. And every day I'm praying, and I'm not seeing any results so far, but I know he says in the Bible, don't give up hope. That, that old woman who approached that judge that was not a, a God-fearing man, Finally, he says, I've got to give her what she wants just so she'll stop bugging me. So I'm going to keep bugging the Lord until he gives me what I want. And what I want is for my son to be happy and to be with his wife and for them, their marriage to be healed. So I thank you, God. Thank you very much. Hi. Did you know that I'm married to a miracle? Yeah. He's standing back there in the back, giving me a dirty look. Um, a year ago, he was in ICU. He had a respirator. He had a tube down his nose to, to feed him. He had all kinds of other tubes and IVs, and we didn't know if he'd come off the respirator or not. We didn't know when we took the respirator off if he would breathe on his own. We didn't know that the day we took it off. And I was so scared about the whole thing. I think I was just numb and everybody kept thinking, boy, she's really a stone, she's a rock. No, I was scared, I was numb, I just didn't even know what was going on. Bill was there every day. He kept everybody informed. I would not have been able to do that. You guys were praying. The Lord was so good. I cannot believe how good the Lord was. And I just kind of went through it. And I have no idea how I did it. And, but it's really, it's really, really neat. And we, t we took the respirator off, and he breathed. And the pulmonary tech went, oh, I didn't know if he was going to do that or not. And we got everything taken off. We finally got him out of uh, ICU. We got him uh, into a room for a week. We got him into rehab for over a week. And we took him home. And that was over five weeks later. He was supposed to be in the hospital three days with this surgery. He's had no pain, but his face is still numb. Uh, we still have a problem with his eye, and he's worth more money now because he has a platinum uh, weight in his eye. So I'm going to keep him just for that. And um, 
uh, he's, I'm really going to be in trouble when I go home. You know this. <laughs> and um, um, what am I going to say here? Uh, I'm shaking all over. Um, I just want to thank everybody for their prayers. We would not have gotten through this without your prayers. And we would not have gotten through this without God's faithfulness. God is the most faithful, faithful, faithful God. And um, I, you know, I feel like I can't even repay everybody. I can't. The nurses were wonderful. The only thing I, the only thing I had against the nurses was that I would go in there like 30 minutes before Bill would go in there. And they wouldn't tell me hardly anything. And Bill would go in there, and he, he would go back to church or wherever, and he would call me, and he'd say, did, you, did the nurse tell you this and this and this and this and this and this and this? And this? i go, no, they didn't tell me any of that. <laughs> so I'm going to find out how he does that. But I don't know who they thought he was, actually. I'm, I'm not sure who they thought he was. But anyway, and the doctors, the doctors were magnificent. The night of his surgery, he was in surgery for four hours, from two to six on Monday. That night, we couldn't wake him up. He went into a coma that people don't come out of. His brain was swelling. Tom swells up, you know. He gets upset, and he just swells up. Well, his brain's the same way. It got mad about the whole surgery, and it just swelled up. And so... Um, so we went into surgery again at 11.30, and the doctor was sitting across the table from me, and um, he said, do you have any questions? And I said, yes, are you a praying man? And he said, yes, I'm a praying man. And I said, we're going to pray. We're going to pray all the way through this. He said, you and I are going to be the only ones that make decisions. Nobody else is going to make any decisions, okay? So we did that surgery, and Tom didn't, he responded a little, but he didn't respond very much. So on Friday, we had to do another surgery. During all this time, he some, we somehow think he had a stroke because they had to take out some tissue. That's why he has a balance problem. And they had to take out a blood clot with the third surgery. The third surgery was done by an older doctor. And when he was described to me by our, our surgeon, he was described to me as a man of about 67 that was a Christian. So I said, if you have faith in him, I do. So he did the third surgery. And then I saw him that evening after the surgery. He stood and he held my hand and he said, I called your house and I got your answering machine and I heard Tom's voice and it's a very nice voice. And he almost broke both of us up at that point. And so he's standing there holding my hand and he, he says, I'm on call this weekend, and I'm going to pray all weekend. What can, how much better can you have it when you have two praying doctors 
you know, what can happen wrong when you have two praying doctors? I'm taking too long, but I just want to thank the Lord. I want to thank all of you for everything, for the doctors, for the food, for the being there. The house church was marvelous. They were there. Um, Barb kept taking me out to dinner because she just knew I wasn't going to eat. Well, let me tell you, nothing keeps me from eating. And I didn't lose very much weight. Tom lost 40 pounds, but I didn't. But um, I just want to tell you thank you. And I know Tom's right behind me. And I want to thank the Lord especially for being so faithful. Wasn't really planning on saying anything, but then I felt that maybe I should. So here it goes. Uh, I don't know how many of you have struggles or have things that you're fighting with. Um, I hope that you're encouraged that if you pass your struggles that I can bring you back to the sweet moments when uh, Jesus steps in, God steps in and uh, speaks a word. And if you're in the middle of a struggle, I hope that you're encouraged that God's going to bring you out of it. This last week, I was very frustrated uh, because as you try to fight struggles, um, you just... You just think of all the times that they all get by. You know, you're holding up your shield, and things just, they get by inevitably. And I was getting so frustrated. And I remembered in Matthew, let's see here. Uh, it's talking about if your right hand causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. And so I was so frustrated that all these missiles were getting past me. And I was just breaking down. I said, God, just take out my eyes because I'm, I'm done with this. It's frustrating. And uh, I just decided, you know, it would be better to do without them. And uh, I wasn't really in that, the right spirit asking that. Um, so I was frustrated. I just went to bed angry. And then the next day I was at work. And while I wasn't any helping of the customers, I was going, I have this, like, little Devo list I was reading through. And there was this one uh, that I think God just put out there. It's a story of this little boy. He's about five years old, and he's playing soccer, and he's the goalie. And he's just sitting there by the goal. And the team is coming over, and they're hitting all these soccer balls at him. And he, he gets a couple, but inevitably some get by. And as uh, more and more get by, his confidence breaks. And he just falls down to his knees and crying because he can't get all the balls. And he keeps missing them, and they keep scoring on him. And his father gets off the stand, and he comes down and... Uh, he says, son, I love you. I'm proud of you. It doesn't matter whether the balls are getting by you. All that matters is that you stand and that you do your best to get all the ones that you can. And I was greatly encouraged. And uh, after that, I was thinking, I look forward to the day when God steps off his stand. He comes down. He says, there are going to be no more balls. There are going to be no more missiles getting past you. And he's going to free us from that. And... In light of that scripture, I was also thinking of, you know, he says, uh, gouge it out so that way your physical body will not burn in hell. And I was thinking, well, maybe God's already taken out an eye or he's already breaking something. And I was remembering when I was 13 or 14, I thought I was in a, a good place and God ended up breaking my leg. Uh, I always thought it was a fluke accident. Uh, and I was really angry at, with him at the time. Uh, but... Uh, now I really see God's hand in breaking my leg uh, to teach me a lesson, uh, to be humble, and uh, 
not all lessons are learned immediately. It took me, you know, six, seven years. Uh, so if you're in a struggle, don't worry about the balls that get passed. Uh, just realize that God's going to come down and he's going he's gonna to free you. Hey, good morning to you guys. Hey, we just got back. Sorry, I'm all stinky and not probably appropriately dressed, you know. Um, but um, I'm glad we did get back in time because um, this this thing at Quick Chip has been amazing, my job and stuff. So I've been able to work with people um, in pretty intimate settings, and one of those is a Quick Chip Center. Um, and, and there's this girl that didn't know Christ, and, and the other ones that I do work did. Um, and recently she became my primary helper for samplings around town, uh, but she totally became a Christian, and it's just been amazing. Um, she started from, like, ground zero, knew nothing about Christianity, and um, Lauren's been pretty integral in helping out with that process and just got our Bible recently and um, the Bible study that Chuck Fair actually wrote for non-Christians. Um, who just became a Christian. So she's going through that with Lauren, and um, it's just pretty incredible to see from nothing to she's all in it. Like, she's just, I know, it's incredible. And, and she listened to a bunch of rap music, and, and now she just, it makes her sick. She just realized what they're saying and drives around with nothing on a radio. Just, she didn't want to listen to any of that anymore, and I didn't say anything about it. And um, she smokes, you know, she, she didn't want to do that anymore too. So like automatically all this stuff is happening, but it's really encouraging to see really exciting. It's like addicting, you know, whenever somebody becomes a Christian, it's so cool. But, but the verse that came to my mind, um, sorry, I wasn't planning on sharing all this, but the verse that came to my mind was, um, how the, how God left the Holy Spirit for us as an advocate who will remind you of all the verses and stuff. But but the thing is, is you have to know him for him to remind you. So, But it was really neat how it was just laid out. And even sometimes how I had never thought of Scripture before would come out, and I was like, wow, that's incredible. She'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And I'd be like, yeah, that does make sense, you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, praise God for that. So that's that's kind of it for me. Before I get started, I'm going to read scripture. It's Romans 8.28. It says, We know that all things God's work for the good for those that love him, but who have been called according to his purpose. Law you know in the last few years, I've faced a lot of struggles. I looked on the counter and Bill could do the same thing. Next month, the 10th, on Thursday, seven years ago, I lost my daddy. Bill took me up to the hospital where he was at. Bill can tell you, we walked into his room. 
we thought we was walking into a black man's room because my dad's skin was dark. And I didn't know why. Till after we had his service and my real sister did some searching on the hospital website. And I got back with Bill and Jim, what I found out. And I asked Bill, I said, have you ever walked into a room to counsel with a person that had cancer? And he said several times. When I lost my daddy seven years ago, they forgot to tell him, me and the family, he had cancer. Because all we knew, he was going in, have some work done on his lungs and his heart. And I got to see my daddy for the last time for that time. We celebrated his homecoming. Then that same year, I lose my aunt and two of my uncles. And this last Father's Day with my mama facing Alzheimer's, the Lord took her home because I kept on praying for her suffering to cease what she was going through. Because every time I went down to see her, Jim could tell you, I would come back with a broken heart because I'd seen her suffer. I'm thankful for my family here for 37 years. I'm also thankful for the family I've had for that's been in my life for 50 years. And Bill and Jim can tell you, they've been talking to them on the phone. Because today, the family that's been part of me for 50 years are helping making the decisions what's best for me because my real family, Jim can tell you, they don't care. I, I care because when I lost my mama and I went to her service, I told Bill and Jim what the Lord did in me. My cousin asked me, do you have anything to say? And I said, yes. One reason I read that scripture, it says about the good. I encourage the family. Don't look at the bad. Look at the good that we've gone through. And when I said it, I looked over to my cousin's wife. And I seen tears come out of her eye. 
because she was there to help take care of my mama at the nursing home and did things for her. Nobody in the immediate family had told her thank you for what she did. And a couple weeks ago, I sat down and sent her an email. And I put it in the email. Here's some things that's been on my mind that I need to say to you that nobody has said to you. And I said it over and over. Thank you, thank you for what you've done for Mama. And I can't wait till the day that the Lord takes me home where I can see my Mama and Daddy in His presence. Okay, we'll make this the last one. Okay, I get to... I get to wrap it up then, huh? Um, most of you know that I'm an engineer and, and uh, I build things. And uh, I'm doing good to make a, a fairly complicated system with a couple dozen parts in it that all do what they're supposed to do and don't do things they're not supposed to do. And so when I look at God's creation, this is something that just puts me in awe because he has made a system with billions of parts, millions of subsystems, what I would call subsystems, biological things and physical things, and they all work together, and they all work the way he designed them. And they don't do things they're not supposed to do. They just do the things they're supposed to do. Just look at your own body, you know, how you're able to take in food, and it creates energy to enable you to move and for your brain to think and you know, all the things that you can reason and see and wonder at and, and find joy in. It's just a marvel what he's done. And there's one psalm that uh, I want to read, the, the Psalm 104, because it, it talks about the wonder of God's creation. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind, and he makes the winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. Think about it for a minute. If God had not created the wind, we wouldn't have weather on this planet. All the water would stay in the ocean. We would have no rain it would be uninhabitable. God created the wind. You know, it works the way he wanted it to. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled. And at the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains and went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters and sing among the branches. And yes, but they're singing because they're happy. 
because God has provided for them. I mean, that's what I think too. <laughs> you notice that he only gave them one voice. They, they don't sing sad songs. They only sing happy songs. <laughs> yeah, where was I here? Okay. Uh, he waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for, man's to, for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted, where the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the pine trees, the high mountains belong to the wild goats, and the crags are a refuge for the conies. The moon marks off the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. Think about this for a minute. If God had put the earth some bit closer to the sun, it would be too hot for us to live here. And if he put it a little farther away, it would be too cold for us to live here. If he didn't tilt the axis the way that he did, if he made it tilted a little bit more, the seasonal changes would be so violent that we couldn't live in the, in the areas that we now live. And if he didn't tilt it at all, the only place we could live would be around the equator because both poles would be covered with ice clear down to here. You know, all these things God created and made them just right for us to have this planet to live on. Um, you bring the darkness and it becomes night and the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away and return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small, where the ships go to and fro, and the Leviathan which you formed to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. And when you give it to them, they gather it up. And when you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their, their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing praises to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise God. Jerry, very appropriate scripture to end our time together with this morning, uh, giving glory to the maker of the earth. Amen. Let's stand together.